0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave Podcast, a ton of Hotspur themed show brought to you by a team of long-suffering Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Dave is our group's voice of reason, our impartial outsider and our resident troll. Dave, welcome back to a special episode of the Plus Dave Podcast today. How are you feeling today?
1: I'm feeling well, uh, thank you Dags. Feeling thrilled that Marcelo Bielsa has outlived Nuno. so that's the first hurdle of the season successfully
0: negotiated that's item one on the agenda of course and one of many things we have to talk about today so i know we've made you watch a lot of spurs since we started doing this for which i of course apologize but for all the entertainment factor that we've lacked on the pitch you have to say that the circus that surrounds our club and everything going on behind the scenes has been a little bit entertaining would you say yeah, it's never a dull moment. I think no. um, I, I'm not overly happy with you guys
1: for making me watch a three-nil Manchester United victory, but you know, <laughs> we, we the, pretty the, much ensured the, means, the means potentially is worth uh, the the ends is potentially
0: worth the means, so to speak you could argue we came out the losers or the winners of uh, El Sakiko in that one but we'll, we'll get on to discuss that one of many things we're going to discuss today I should clarify actually we're, we're recording this on Monday evening now so this is the day where everything's kicked off this morning at the time of recording we got the word that Spurs had parted ways with Nuno and his team and all day has just been constant Conte rumours circulating we're at a point now where it's looking like all but a done deal but we could well look very very silly by the time this actually goes up because we generally record about a day before we Upload. Unfortunately, the editing process isn't quite as quick as I'd like it to be, but we will try our best to get this up before it ends up in Newcastle. We end up with Mason as our manager, so uh, we'll see how things go. I'd like to welcome back a couple of other recurring guest stars again. First of all, Elio, back for another week. Always the first name on the team sheet. How are you doing today? Um, mixed emotions. There's, yeah. the,
2: I, I'm not, and when I say mixed, I mean not necessarily. Bittersweets, as that phrase usually tends to mean mm. but mixed as in there's just a whole cocktail of things going on and i'm not quite <laughs> sure how to react to what at the moment first of all i will say i don't know if el sacco was yours or if you picked that up from someone else but i really liked that well done. Oh, i'd
0: love i would love to take credit for that but unfortunately that's not mine i'm and, certainly uh, not the first person to use that one
2: I'd like to make my first contribution to this show to recall the words of one of our many managers that we have sacked ourselves. Um, In fact, Mm -hmm. we've sacked him a couple of times, David Pleat, who once said, if the crowd start chanting sack the manager, the board will think about sacking the manager. If they start chanting sack the board, the board will definitely sack the manager.
0: And I think (laughs) we have seen that
2: in full flow uh,
0: over the past uh, 48 hours. Wow, wisdom from David Pleat. Who knew we get some of that today? Well, when he's not trying to
2: pronounce obscure <laughs> names like Bob, mm. then he actually yeah. knows his stuff when
0: it comes to football. So you were saying before we started recording that you haven't really looked at, thought about, watched any football. You've, you've switched yourself off to the football world ever since that horrible game. Uh, obviously, suddenly everything's come flying back into the forefront of your mind yeah. today. But I was
2: I was hoping for more of a hiatus than one day. In fact, <laughs> less than a day, because um, I started hearing about Nuno being all but sacked first mm. thing yesterday, and then it's broke in the press and it started unfolding bit by bit. And that's all I've done with the last two days of my life, and as well as my job. In case my boss is listening to this podcast, <laughs> which he may woman. well be. <laughs> while we're recording But yeah, I was hoping to have a nice sort of four five day break up until we play Vitesse And and instead the, the Spurs soap opera rambles on in spectacular fashion
0: <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of chapters to come yet So uh, we'll, mm. we'll strap ourselves in for that ride I'd also like to welcome back David Price Pricey, as he is known to his good friends and our listeners How are you doing Pricey? I'm well, thank
3: you Thank Excellent. you for inviting me back on
0: uh, well, you know, we, we gave you a rest. We put you on the bench for a couple of weeks, but uh, but you're back, fully rested, ready to go, full speed ahead. I just saw you take a sip of wine. Is that a sip in celebration for uh, the, oh, the departure of you
3: we were just saying, actually, it could be a sip and celebration to welcome our glorious new Italian overlords uh, to <laughs> the, uh, the club. But we'll all look really silly if actually uh, Conte doesn't doesn't join us now. Um, I yeah. must admit, I do need to look back on something I said at the start of the season when we appointed Nuno, which was actually saying the last time we appointed a, a manager from a slightly overachieving mid-table club, it got us to the Champions League final, and that's aged mm. horribly. Horribly, hmm. um, <laughs> this season. In, uh, in with... fairness,
2: oh. though, the early record of those two particular managers is actually strikingly similar. The difference is that under one, there was at least a semblance and an indication of what he wanted to achieve which bought him more time and with the other Nuno, that absolutely hasn't been. So, so in fairness to you, I, I don't think that uh, Nuno's actually done you a particular kipper, I just think it's the way the world is now and obviously as Spurs fans, we're used to better things now than we were 10 games into Pochettino's reign, so we're probably a little less tolerant
0: of failure. Mm. So Elio, as our are connection to the in the nose at Tottenham Hotspur. You you've always, always first of which I am not one. Well, I well, one. I, mean, I I choose to consider you as one, almost second hand, you know. You, you're always the first to let me know when things are happening behind the scenes and you're you're normally right. What a compliment. My favorite second yeah. hand in the know. Second hand in the nose, yeah. <laughs> that well-known phrase. But Elio, as things stand, it is about eight o'clock on Monday evening. Obviously, Nuno was sat this morning, a long time ago. There's been a lot of talk about Conte. What is the status quo at the time of recording?
2: Well, about half an hour ago, the person who has online delivered information bit by bit about all sorts of things over the years. I knew about Bale because of him about Mm. two weeks before it got anywhere near the press. Um, He's the one that let everyone know about... Nuno it's just a matter of time yesterday morning you'll remember me screenshotting that to all you guys and mm-hmm. uh and then he he led with the Conte stuff as well uh he has said it is done half an hour ago and okay. with most of these in the notes I'd be very skeptical and say well he's just trying to be the first to say it's done so that uh everyone thinks he got it right but he does tend to be very pragmatic with what he posts and that
0: gives me more confidence when he does So he didn't say that Conte was a done deal three days before we appointed Nino last time around? (laughs) No. So yeah, as things stand, it's looking very much like by the time this goes live, we will have a new manager and that manager will be Antonio Conte. Uh, We'll look very, very silly if that's not the case, but we'll we'll proceed on the basis that that is the most likely outcome from today's activities. Uh, Dave, how how do you feel about that appointment? I mean, we're we're playing you soon. You must be pretty upset that we're not going to have Nuno in charge and we're going to have hopefully, or hopefully for us, a brand new manager, very successful manager by all accounts. What are your thoughts on that appointment if it is actually going ahead?
1: Yeah, it's not looking good for us. We're going to be slap bang in the middle of your honeymoon period. Aren't we? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Which is probably not a thing, but it, it'll definitely be a thing if you play Leeds. So, no, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think it's the appointment that that I think you guys all wanted in the summer. I think it's the appointment that made the most sense. It's probably the appointment the board wanted in the summer as well. Mm. Um, so I think it's um, well, it's a world class manager. You you immediately have probably the third, maybe fourth best manager in the league. By hiring
0: him? Yeah. In the league or in the world? Well, we're getting carried away before it's even started, aren't we? In the league. This is what we do. I mean, the way I see him is he's kind of what Mourinho used to be, in a way. I mean, he's very much kind of the flavour of the month manager that all the teams are talking about. Obviously, Man United were linked to him, Newcastle been linked to everybody, but of course, another name that's been talked about. Do you think this is something of a coup for us? Do you think this could be a really big step, Pricey?
1: Well, I
3: guess, first of all, I just want to ask, what's changed? You know, we we went from in the summer, he... Mm turned us down is it Paratici as he I guess kind of got his hooks and claws in now he's had a bit of time to settle into the club it'd be interesting to to explore that in a bit more detail as to why now uh I guess but um yeah. it, it, it's a massive name and I think actually we were talking about this kind of before we came on that ultimately and Elio just mentioned it there that our expectations are now much bigger because as much as we're still not I guess, a a big, big club. We're a lot further on than we were four, five, six, seven years ago. And the expectations are bigger. The expectations of the fans, the expectations of the board. And Conte is a a signing that represents that. And uh, again, we can Mm. come on to this, but I think he, as a stylistically, and I think the way that he approaches the game should solve a number of our problems that I think we're facing
0: with the current setup. It's interesting, we've obviously been talking about this all day and I think one of the things that came around was that the first time around when we initially spoke to him, the common wisdom was that he wasn't promised the backing that he wanted. We obviously went a different direction. It didn't work, and now we've come crawling back. And my understanding is, by many accounts, and anyone feel free to correct me if you have any details on this, is that we've promised him, you know, a bit of a war chest, and there's going to be spending in the January window. There's definitely going to be spending next year. There's there's going to be the option to overhaul the squad. Uh, we'll get on to talk about what signings may come in, what players might be kept in, what would suit his system and the style of play that we've become used to. But, Elio, what is your understanding of the details? of what's on offer and and what has supposedly been promised to Conte
2: who knows I can only go same as you on what the press are saying which is 18 months potentially with an option to extend if it's going well in our favor I should add probably the largest contract we've ever given the manager possibly the largest contract a manager has in this league including Klopp and Guardiola but I think the main thing that's Changed is that he's being promised um the backroom stuff that he wants. He wanted about 10, 11 people, something crazy like that, in the summer, which we were refusing. And uh, I think the other thing that will change is the transfer budget available. I think, mm. see, Conte has an unfair reputation, in my opinion, as a checkbook. Manager. He brought in Marcus Alonso under the radar and turned him into the best left wing back in the league. He turned Victor Moses from being a poor sort of right winger to being a great right wing back for a year or two. He's done the same with Ashley Young at Inter. So, this is a guy that can coach players and improve players, but he also does demand money and investment continually in the squad because he knows what all real football men know that a squad that's not constantly evolved will begin to devolve and stagnate. So I think there's going to be movement in January I can't see this happening if there wasn't going to be movement in January um, so yeah that, that, that's what I think has probably changed since summer I think in mm. the summer we had not had the stadium open yet so we weren't particularly aware of what money we did have whereas now several games into the season we've obviously seen revenues pick up again and probably in a very good way I mean you've both been to the ground this season you know how expensive everything is and yet the queues <laughs> are always absolutely Rand So I think th- the financial aspect is one thing that's changed I think the other thing that has changed is Levy has built this wonderful stadium that encourages people to come early and it's great if things are going well but things aren't going well and after the match the other day there were fans that stayed there they had all their catering needs tended to so they didn't need to rush home so they were made comfortable by the club to stay there and vocally protest in the open in the stadium to the extent that Nuno didn't come out for his pitch side interview after the match like he always does they sent out hugo to do it instead and that that's a big thing i mean that that will have shaken levy quite a bit because yes we've had protests and discontent but this is spurs versus manchester united one of the most watched games on the planet and it's getting attention for all the wrong reasons. And that is a very public thing when you're trying to bring in sponsors for the stadium, when you're trying to bring in an NFL franchise of some description, when you're trying to bring in all sorts of different commercial deals, when you're trying to sell the club for three and a half billion, apparently. That is a very big thing. So I think either Levy or maybe Lewis from the Bahamas or Florida or wherever it is he's based will have seen, I think it's Bahamas, he's Bahama Joe for a reason, I guess, will have seen his (laughs) investment threatened and thought yeah. right time to speculate to accumulate last time we did that was two points from eight games in danger of relegation goes and buys Redknapp and all his coaches out of Portsmouth goes and spends a big net spend in January to bring back Robbie Keane, Jermaine Defoe and Palacios that the team were in dire need of so unfortunately it does seem to take things like that to push a bit of proactivity
0: from our owners but I think that's what happens. Yeah, and credit to them for actually doing it, even if it did take a little longer than some of us might, might have liked. One thing I want to call back to, and Dave, this is something you mentioned a couple of episodes ago when we were, one of the many times we were talking about Nuno and his credentials to manage us, and uh, I think you said that the players didn't really seem to respect him that much, and or at least you implied that that there could be an element of the players thinking this guy's a stock gap, he's not really a big time manager, maybe we should just kind of give this a go and play half-arse until the real guy comes along, and this guy very much seems like the the real guy. And I love hearing some of the quotes about Conte, and this is one from, uh, it's actually from Pirlo's autobiography, so obviously Pirlo played under him at Juventus, you might have heard this and it's classic Pirlo in the way that it's, it's written he's just talking about his management style and his motivational skills and he says um, he needed only one speech with many simple words to conquer both me and Juventus he had fire running through his veins and he moved like a viper this squad dear boys is coming off two consecutive seventh place finishes it's crazy it's shocking I am not here for this so it's time to stop being so crap when Conte speaks, his words <laughs> assault you. They crash through the doors of your mind. Beautiful. <laughs> you got to love, Mata- gotta love Pilo. autobiography. I mean, I, I now want to read the rest of Pilo's autobiography. Oh, you haven't but, read but, it. I mean, it's
1: incredible. Incredible. Oh, really? No, I absolutely do want to read it. I mean, it sounds the
0: even I think, Yeah, I, think no, the, the, I have the... read Zatans that and that's, that's, that's quite something, but this sounds like another level. But my, my point is, to, to bring it around, I mean, this is somebody that is universally respected, right? These footballers are going to want to impress this guy. I mean, more so than Mourinho. We said the same thing about Mourinho, but this is somebody who they're not going to be jogging around. They're not going to be not giving it their all in training. This is somebody who's known for energy, high pressing, running. And there are certain players who, on the basis of what we've seen this season, that's just not going to cut it. Who do you think... I mean, there's some obvious ones, but who do you think is going to be most affected out of our current crop from the arrival of Antonio Conte?
1: I think there's a few things to unpack from that. I think the first one is the Nuno point and And I did raise it, but in a slightly different way. And I think the key there was that it wasn't of Nuno's doing, it was of the board's doing of making him the job offer after seven attempts to get seven other managers. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think that's a real shame. And you've got to feel for him, at the, at the, you know, right now because... Yeah, he's probably getting a great payoff. But at the same time, he obviously wanted to do a good job. But he he was hired with one hand and one leg cut off already. So now he's in in a position which is just basically never going to work unless you were top of the league right now. And were you really ever going to be that? Probably not. Just to jump in, I I
3: think that was one of his big challenges from my point of view. He was too nice. Every single game he was his pace match pressure conference was always like oh you know we we tried and you know we want to win and you know yeah. oh yay let's do well and I, do you know what it just just irritated me when we're clearly not performing yeah. and he didn't have the ability to stand up and say actually and, and look we could talk about it and open this up in terms of him making the wrong decisions particularly in in the last three four matches but it's just his inability to unpick and target players that fundamentally weren't performing mm-hmm. and actually call them out and say do you know what? You're not good enough.
1: And I think that's going to be key. I think that's going to be key with Conte because he is yeah. the opposite of that, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. literally yeah. not going to take any shit. But at the same yeah. time, he's the opposite of that in the sense that he is going to be a manager that you, you know, you can look at his track record. It's not easy to see what he's going to do. He's going to be with you. Probably for two years, you're probably going to get more success than you've had for the past two managers in terms of in terms of Nuno, obviously, but also Jose. Probably going to get more attacking football. Probably going to get more spirit and more motivation. But ultimately, he's going to probably leave in a couple of years, and then you're probably going to be oh, what do we do now? Which mm. you know might be a graduation that you needed to make because ultimately that's what Chelsea do, and it fucking works.
2: Absolutely. And the thing is, a lot is made of nice, too nice, too mean, too aggressive, whatever. Mourinho got a lot of flat for how he calls players out, obviously, as well. And that didn't work. Nuno is being called too nice. Pochettino was lovely. He was a big old teddy bear. Martin Yol mm. had, all right, when we were at a different stage in our evolution, had great success with us and he was the loveliest bloke imaginable and by the same token Nunes failed Ozzy Ardiles who's a nicer guy than him in football and what a disaster of a manager he was (laughs) Glenn Hoddle an absolute prat and by all accounts when it comes to man management and helping players egos peed off absolutely everyone and he failed as our manager so I don't think it's as simple as that I think it's about being able to adapt to the players you have and key into them and yes Conte takes no excuses which helps if you're backed in replacing the players that don't respond to you with players who will. But I don't think that's all it's about. Conte, don't forget, was also a captain as a player of yeah. a multiple title winning side. The most dominant side European football has ever seen in terms of their domestic league pretty much. I- Juventus, I can't remember a year in the second half of the 90s when they didn't win Serie A in that great team with sort of Del Piero and Zidane. And I mean, even Christian Vieri couldn't get into that team. What a good team it was. Um, So I just think that the guy knows how to lead and how to win and a big part of that isn't just sort of his ability to mollycoddle or be aggressive with players it's his ability to really get under the skin he brings with him fitness coaches sports psychologists he brings the whole bloody circus with him and I think that that's really important the other thing with Conte which is completely different to both Nuno and Mourinho which you'll agree with from watching any side Mourinho his success was based in a time when especially in this league when football was a little bit simpler and if you had a fairly sort of binary game plan and had better players than the other team you'd do them over. Nuno kind of does what Mourinho did as well but in a time when that doesn't work and we basically came up against the Tony Pulis side on Saturday and lost united set up just to stop and defend left three men high up the pitch with a bit of talent all right a hell of a lot of talent and and they they did the damage But that wasn't the issue in that game. It wasn't their attackers being better than our defenders. The issue in that game was the fact that we had so much of the ball and so much territorial advantage, but we couldn't unpick what should have been a fairly simple lock of seven defensive players, but not that great defensive players. So what Conte brings is an actual plan to really get through opposition sides. And it's not necessarily scintillating, free-flowing football. We can't expect tiki-taka here. This isn't going to be klopp's and press either this is going to be fairly unspurs dna whatever that means and i hate the phrase spurs mm. dna but this is going to be very unspurs in its approach but it's going to produce goals and it's going to produce winning football we hope
0: uh, i hasten to add a solid defense like to think it's all the
2: defense but at, at the end of the day all these things and i've said this in so many podcasts all these things come back to what's done on the training pitch. And that was Nuno's big failing in the end. Nuno's big failing wasn't picking the wrong players or the wrong system or anything like that. He started off more defensive, quickly realised it wasn't going to cut it. And I believe Nuno was trying to create an attacking side. There's a reason we've had more possession than the opposition for several games in a row, including Chelsea, including Arsenal, including Manchester United, all of which we conceded three games. How do you concede three goals while dominating possession? It's ridiculous. He was picking the attacking players and setting up an attacking formation, but he didn't actually know how to coach attacking systems of play because that's not what Nuno does. And... Yes, I feel sorry for him to an extent, but you know what? The man had the opportunity of a lifetime. He should have lived and died by his sword and just gone out his way and not cared what no. plebs like me and you and all the other fans who want Spurs DNA think. He should have just gone for it because you know what? If it got results, then we'd have accepted it. It didn't get results either way. And he was trying to do something unfamiliar. I mean, if I try to sing in falsetto, I'm going to get arrested for disturbing the peace. Like, you shouldn't do things you can't do. And he was trying to do something he couldn't do. I'm sorry, I don't even remember what your question was, but I've got no, no, me, me neither,
0: me neither. I like your, I like your answer, and I love, I love the nihilism think- at the end there as well. I think um, Dad's question was
1: was which of the fatties uh, not going to make
0: it? Oh, we're going content. way back to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll come, I'll come back to that in a second, but but Elio, you, you mentioned the coaching and then everything going on behind the scenes and not just who you pick on the team. I, I've got another quote, actually. This is a quote from Conte himself on his own coaching philosophy. I don't know mm. if you've heard this one, but this one's interesting. The word coach has to encompass everything. You can't only be good at tactics, just as you can't only be good at motivation, just as you can't only be good from a psychological point of view, just as you can't only be good in how to manage the club and the media. You have got to be good at everything. You've got to try and excel at everything. To do this, you have got to Study and since I became a coach, for me it has been continuous study. So, to me, what that says is that this isn't somebody who's going to tear everything out and ship off all the players and buy a whole new team to fit his style. He wants to change players. We touched on it earlier about how he's changed players' positions. He turned you know Victor Moses into a wing back, and and obviously he's he's got different sides out of certain players for various teams now. What I want to talk about is what do you see him doing with the players we have currently? Who's going to flourish in this system? I mean, let's assume. I think we're all, we're all assuming he's going to set up in some kind of 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 mm. three, three or something along those lines, because he has done successfully... Live and die his by card. his swords. Exactly, exactly. And we can go through the lineup one by one. But I mean, are there any players in particular that you think will really suit an Antonio Conte side um, and any that you think are on the chopping block? So it's a layered
2: question. And I think before I really dip into it, I just want to say that as far as I'm concerned... Every single player that we've signed since summer 2019, and I include Matt Doherty in that as well, Mm. despite many things I've said about him in the past, every single player we've signed since that time starts from scratch now, because since summer 19, we've had the lifeless husk of Pochettino, we've had Mm. Mourinho well past his sell-by date, we've had Mason, we've had Nuno now, we have not had... A manager for this level at any point. Pochettino, the original, was yeah. a manager for this level, but the the manager that was in place from sort of the middle of the eighteen nineteen season, predating the Champions League final, was not the same man that brought us all yeah. that joy. I think we all accept that. So everybody from Bergwijn to Romero to Gallini to Joe Rodon to Emerson to both Andomble and Lo Celso as far as I'm concerned starts from scratch for them now mm-hmm. now we can really judge and now there's no excuses because you know what if they can't do it for this guy it's definitely the players not the manager that's the problem yeah. now in terms of who I think we could see thrive I think Reguilon will absolutely
0: love him because yeah. uh, we said it last week didn't we he's not a left back he's a winger
2: yeah back. exactly yeah I think Steve Bergwijn I think a lot of us are potentially anticipating some kind of Victor Moses, Ashley Young star transition. Mm. He's got the right physical makeup, the right kind of work rate for it, similar kind of skill set as well. It might just be because he's just a small stocky winger who's not doing very well on the wing. So we're hoping he can be a great right <laughs> wing back. Yeah. But there there seems to be evidence to just that that could happen. I think at least one of Lo Celso and Ndombele will thrive, and that's because I think he's going to have to build the attack around one of their abilities to playmake, and the one that he does go for will end up playmaking because he does improve players. He made Cesc Fabregas the best player Cesc Fabregas was at any point in his career. He he yeah. actually managed to take a guy with
0: 17 of
2: Spain at the time, already world-class, been yeah. at Barcelona, being at uh, Arsenal in their great side, he actually took Fabric out and made him better. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing what he can do with those two. But sadly, I do think it will be one of those two. And the other one will fall by the wayside. The Salsa is probably the one with more appetite for Conte esque training, but Mm. um, no jokes about Ndombele's appetite here, please. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Ndombele is obviously the one with a little bit more talent. So we shall see. I think Oliver Skitt is a player who should be excited by this because Conte loves a mobile, nimble. Aggressive DM, he absolutely always has. And Barella, like oh, that kind of Barella was more box to box, but yes, that very mm. kind of eclectic player that has everything to his game. He he basically had Conte playing in a number ten role at first at Chelsea to lead the press. I mean, mm. that's how Conte works. So I think Skip's a player who should be quite excited. And I think yeah. all our centre backs should be every single one of them. Oh, from there's an extra to spot for them now, isn't there? There is that too. I think they should all be. Yeah. One player I fear for who might be surprising to say is Hoibier. Really? If we're talking about players that seem to be current staples in the side, he's a very aggressive... He'll buy into what Conte has to say, but I'm not Mm. sure his body can quite do what Conte will want him to do on a football pitch. Unless Hoibier can reinvent himself as a primarily attacking player, which I don't think he can, or go the other way and end up a centre-back, I don't think Hojbjerg brings what Conte will really want in a deep-lying midfielder that's there to protect the defence. And I hope I'm wrong because I really like Hojbjerg, but I think there's a very good chance that he'll be a casualty in this regime.
0: Do you not think there's a place for him as a kind of deep line pivot with a bit more of a playmaking responsibility? Just someone who can... I mean, I don't want to make too lofty a comparison, but the Pirlo of the team. I mean, you know, Pirlo to Hoiberg. I've I've made some strange comparisons, but do you think he's got the passing range to do that, to be the guy who can connect the defense to the attack? Or do you think it wouldn't really work under that system?
2: Remember the mash chips and hash browns or whatever the joke was about Skip, (laughs) Hoiberg. Yeah, um,
0: too much of the same. Yeah,
2: Hoiberg's... Decent at everything, good at a couple of things, not amazing Mm. at anything except for his heart. And if that's enough to win over Conte long term, I don't know. Short term, definitely, but long term, I just think that he hasn't quite got the mobility and pace that Conte's defensive midfielders tend to have.
0: I think mean, the fact is, for the rest of the year at least, or you know, certainly for the foreseeable future, the team's going to be the team. You know, the squad's it the squad. Is. It's not going to change overnight. It's certainly not going to be torn apart at Christmas or even at the end of the year necessarily. There will be some There'll changes, There'll be an element sure. of tearing it apart. I don't think Conte's coming without getting three or four first-team
2: signings in January. I genuinely really? believe that. Mm. He doesn't go anywhere to lose, Conte. If he's coming to us, it's because we've yeah. made him promises that he think equates to winning the league. Why would he blot his CV The guy's richer than God already. He doesn't need us. Mm. The Man United job is probably only a few weeks away as well. Why would he come (laughs) to us without those kinds of promises? Newcastle, with all the money they're going to spend, obviously there's the argument of Newcastle over London, but why would he come to us unless he was making some severe promises at this point? So, So now I think there will be an element of that. I mean... Just playing a bit of 2 plus 2 here There's a lot of players in Serie A Which he will be aware of And which Paratici will be aware of That fit his style of play Some who have played for him Who are coming up to their contracts Expiring at the end of the season Which means cheaper January transfer mm. fees Like Brozovic You want that expansive Pirlo type player For yeah. deep playing midfield well, that, that was, his, that plan, was his player at Inter yeah. I mean him behind Skip Would be like him behind Barella almost Except Skip's obviously a few years Behind Barella in his development Yeah Kessie from AC Milan, his contract's expiring at the end of the season. Yeah, another one we're so, going to. Th- there's going to be some surgery. We we are not finishing the season with the same first team that we have now. I can almost guarantee that.
0: So Pricey, Elio thinks that the squad's going to be torn apart at Christmas. Who should be the most worried? Who do you fear for in our current team? Where are the positions that you think need the most attention going forward from Conte?
3: Yeah, I think it's all the the names that haven't been mentioned quite frankly. Yeah. For, for me top of the list has got to be Deli. Wow. I mean, I wasn't even thinking of him as a first. He's he's not even (laughs) playing now, never mind. Well, exactly, and that and that's why, you know, you, you, you want to be worried. I'm potentially going to be unpopular in saying this, but I would also be looking at players like Mora. Yeah. In terms of, if you think about the overall quality of the squad, where we want to be aspirationally. I found it really interesting when Nuno was booed for hooking Mora in the United yeah. game, because I said in the chat at the time, I understood why you took him off, because Mora was industrious. I likened it, I think, to a fly that was trying to fly through a closed window. It was kind of like industrious, but actually his end product was... <laughs> (laughs) was just poor at the best of time. (laughs) Elio's applauding you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, we can all reward effort, but if it's just people being busy fools and effort for the sake of effort, ultimately our big problem this season has been end product. And Mm -hmm. I, I think it's players like Mora, which actually we can look at upgrading and get much better output from who else. could? again, it's that kind of really old defensive pairing. So I think when I was walking out as well, someone was actually referring to when we first played Davies and Dyer as, as a kind of pairing in the squad together. And you're going back a long time, kind of pre Pochettino Mm -hmm. and yet they're still here in the squad. So I, I think for me, there's a lot of, for want of a better phrase, Deadwood that we, can clear out, and I, yeah. I think sadly it is a lot of those kind of older players that have, have kind of been floating around for a long time. We've kind of gravitated back to them because they're a safe pair of hands, but ultimately yeah. not proving that safe at this point
0: in time. I think one player would be happy with the system or the idea of playing in a three is going to be Romero because Romero played in a three as Lancer in the middle of the three, from what I understand. Which we've talked about Romero a lot. We talked about how he pushes up and he's a very kind of aggressive defender. And I think if you're in a three at the back, it's a bit easier to get away with doing that isn't it that's definitely a player that could to flourish under Conte
2: may um, I interrupt for just one of moment as, as you know you I'm may. continually reading things and have a have live update it's not a live update but it's just a beautiful piece of phrasing maybe this is just the
0: translation is it, is it as called. beautiful as a fly trying to fly for a closed window
2: Not as beautiful as that. That was a wonderful metaphor. One of uh, the Italian papers, Calcio Mercato, has come out with this phrase to describe how we've done this deal or are in the process of doing this deal. After Nuno's sacking, Paratici called Conte and said, but this time, are you coming? And in the face of all this, it was impossible for Conte to say no. I just Hmm. love the way Italian sports journalism contrasts against the very dour language used by British journalists that still seem to think it's 1970 and we're all listening
0: to to Barry Davis. It's because they don't have Gary Neville, Elio. (laughs) (laughs) We could all do with less Gary Neville in our (laughs) lives. I saw a stat earlier. I think, Elio, you may have seen the same stat. And it's one of many. I'm always getting bored of these damning stats about Spurs. But this one is quite interesting to analyse. And it's that we are actually fifth in the league in terms of number of passes into the final third. Yeah, I saw that. And then we are 15th in terms of passes into the box, which just kind of outlines our problem that we get to that place. We've got the possession. We're on the ball with the team that are supposedly controlling the match. And then we just can't get forward. What's the change? What's going to fix that with Conte in charge?
2: I guarantee that if you go back to when AVB was in charge without in the side, you'd find a very, very similar stat, because watching these last few matches where we have controlled possession, that's exactly what I was reminded mm. of, AVB football. What it shows is that we have actually got players capable of keeping the ball, and yeah. we have got players capable of getting through the press. That's yeah. a good thing. What it doesn't show is that we either don't have players who can get through a defence, or... And I think this is probably truer because... I think most players can be coached to get through a defence, even Sean Longstaff with the right coaching, we haven't actually been working
0: <laughs> I have 39 minutes, 39 minutes for the first Sean Longstaff, we haven't actually
2: had a plan to get through the defence and I don't think it's a style or a formation or a tactics thing to tell you the truth, I think it's just about coaching, it's about players thinking oh he's got the ball and this is what he's good at so I'm going to make this run and that's just not what happens and maybe it would have even come eventually if we'd stuck with know, but I I don't think it would have because, well, look at how quickly Tuchel actually changed Chelsea's style completely last season. I think you've either got it or you don't and Nuno didn't. Conte will and it it may not be sort of one touch triangles from sort of goalkeeper to the opposition penalty spot. But he knows how to disrupt an opposition's formation and pull them apart and get through. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing after he's had the players for a few weeks.
0: Dave, who do you think is a realistic target for Spurs this winter? I mean, or or any targets? Are there any of the players that have played under Conte previously? Perhaps, obviously, Inter Milan have been uh, kicking a few of them out recently. Are there any of the players that we've talked about or who have been rumoured to be on the market or looking for a move that you think would make sense for Spurs? Because I know we've been linked to everyone under the sun in the last couple of windows. Do you think there are any players that make sense that are likely additions in the January transfer window. The
1: problem is, if you're looking to do a rebuild in January, then you're going to you're going to be good because there's not going to be a lot of option to rebuild in January because nobody rebuilds in January because there isn't enough active market activity. The only thing that could potentially upset that and it might actually do you guys a favour, is if Newcastle start absolutely spunking on on players because if they do that then that might actually cause a bit of a seismic shift in the market and we might actually allow you to actually make some make some positive inroads but I think if it was a normal January transfer window I think you know I mean Elia you're saying four first team players I mean we're talking about an upgrade on on Lucas Mora. I've said it before I'm not saying a hundred million pound player is required to get better than Lucas but you're talking about a 40 million pound player, a 50 million pound player to get anywhere anywhere better than uh, what you've got currently. And that's the problem. You, you, you immediately probably add 20, 25% to any price if it's in January because everybody's terrified that they're not going to be able to find replacements.
2: You say that Lucas Moura and very few Spurs fans have a bad thing to say about him generally just because of, well, Ajax, but also his overall personality and love of the club. But Lucas Moura has played 111 league matches for us, albeit not all from the start, but he's played 111 league matches for us and he has 17 goals. That's barely better than one in 10. So I don't think it takes 40, 50 million to upgrade on Lucas. in honesty. I think you can spend less than that if you scout properly and if you identify properly and you play it clever and actually get a player that will have a greater output. And I think there's quite a few of our players that you can say that about as well. Steven Bergwijn, I think he's got three league goals since he joined in 39 matches. So I don't think that's that hard to upgrades on. Defensively, all right, you've got Dyer, you've got Sanchez, who cost an inordinate amount of money. You've got Romero. You might say we do have to spend big to upgrade on those. I don't think you need to get Milan Scrinia for £70 to improve our defence. I think think there are deals to be had out there that make our defence a better unit. But I think defence and midfield are more easily achievable through coaching in terms of upgrading them. I think if money will be spent, it should be spent on the front players. But We do need someone who is not called Harry Kane or Kyung Moon Son who can score goals. That used to be Deli Ali once upon a time and Ericsson once upon a time. that, That was bail for a period last season when whoever was in charge wanted to play him. We need someone who can score goals other than those two guys. And I don't think we need to spend a ridiculous amount of money to get it. It just needs to be the right player who can hit the ground running. And those do exist. We can't get sent Maximan, I know that, because his club are richer than God's. But, and I'm not saying we should go for him. Please forgive me for even going in that direction. But do you think Rafinha would cost 70 million, for instance?
1: Well, yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's kind of what I was saying. Maximan, if Newcastle weren't owned by who they're owned by now, St. Maximan would be the same. Teams know the value of their players. And. I, know, I understand your point in terms of the return you've got from Mora, but what I'm saying is a player who is better than him, who can hit the ground running, who you can get in January, is
0: going to cost you £50 we, million. Pounds. We think there's something to be said about the idea that we have to trust in Conte to bring in a player perhaps who isn't an obvious improvement to our team, but somebody that he trusts that he can turn into an improvement to our team that will fit the way he plays. I mean, perhaps a bad example because I know he wasn't cheap, but when he brought David Luiz back into the Chelsea defence, everyone was like, are you mad David Luiz seriously and he was brilliant for Chelsea for the time he was there under, under Conte are there players out there that perhaps aren't big superstars big names that are going to cost 60-70 million that he could bring to us who he could turn into exactly what we need
2: I, I think there are I mean alright going back to the Rafinha example right now you say he cost that much how much did you spend on him though well we practically murdered Wren for him they paid 18 million for him we bought him for
1: 18 million the season after after he got them into the Champions League I don't really understand what happened but, I mean, he's, he's, you know, we're very aware <laughs> that he's our best player and there's every chance he won't be playing for us next season. But, you now, best will in the world. And I don't even mean to wind you up. If he goes to Spurs... I'm going to be good
2: well he won't go to Spurs I don't think I think he's got his sights set on something bigger than that ultimately but Diogo Jota cost Liverpool 40 million Yi Chan's hit the ground running with Wolves and he only cost them 30 I think I mean there there are players that you can get side Ben even has he has as many goals this season as Bergwijn does in his entire Spurs career and he cost about 20 million last summer good scouting is required
0: but you don't bring in a manager like Conte to do bad
2: scouting. I mean, there are
0: a lot of names that keep doing the rounds, aren't there? I mean, we've mentioned a couple already. You mentioned Skriniar. Vlaovic is somebody who's been coming up since before Conte. I imagine he's going to Juventus, sadly. Could well be. I mean, obviously Brozovic you mentioned before as well. Kessie is another one we've been linked to. I've seen some rumours of Barella, although I think he really is out of our, our league mm. in terms of prior. He'd probably be closer to the 100 million that they've mentioned. But out of the players that have been rumoured, I know you take these with a pinch of salt, a very large pinch of salt, but... Are there any that you think are realistic and that you think you expect there might be talks with? I think
2: Brozovic is probably the one because of his contract situation and he is a huge upgrade to our midfield and it doesn't matter who comes out of midfield to put him in. He's an upgrade on all of them. So, so he's probably... The one that I think is most realistic. One, because he's someone that the club as a whole have known about and wanted and had a few stabs at over a longer period of time anyway. But two, because Conte loves him and his contract's up next summer.
0: Pricey, where are we going to finish this season?
3: A toasty seventh, I think.
0: Seventh?
3: (laughs) That's the manager. Um, No, I think the good, good things about the decision being made now is actually the league is a lot tighter than it should be. We're only five points off West Ham in fourth. We're, okay, 10 points off Chelsea at the top. But we should be a lot further away. We've still got 15 points from what has been one of our worst starts to a season for an awfully long time. So, you know, we've got enough time as well. And actually... Again, we were talking after the game, and there was talk about do we do it now? Do we wait to the international break? I'm glad the board has acted now because it gives us time. You know, we've got we've got three quarters of the season left to make something of this, and and you know we can get our best players up and firing again. We can bring the right people in. We can change the formation. Um, and then hopefully make it work. So look, op- optimistically, I think it's going to be a push to fall. I think mean, like look, Liverpool, Chelsea, City are away as the top three this season. I think United have probably got the fixture run coming up to push on into the top four as well. I think West Ham are giving them a good run, but it'd be interesting to see how they cope with the fixtures because they haven't really got the depth in the squad. Uh, yeah, look, so really you're looking at fifth, sixth, seventh, and actually between your Leicester's, your Arsenal's, God forbid, you know, and us, it's it's gonna it's gonna be tight.
0: But look, let's let's see where we can get to. We've got time to turn it around. And it's not two points from eight games this time, is it? So, you know, we're, hey. it could have been worse. I mean, we've hmm. obviously got a higher bar, a higher standard that we strive for, but it's not a disaster. I mean, I don't think many are going to argue that it was right to get rid of Nuno. But at the same time, he's not left us in an absolute disaster. This is salvageable. There's a lot of football to be played. There aren't a clear pack of four running away with it that are going to be miles off anything we can achieve. So, Elio, you still hopeful for your uh, third prediction? Not hopeful for that.
2: In terms of where we finish... January will be a big sort of impact on that, but we're going to get hopefully some new manager bounce out of this. The players will hopefully have their tails up and also want to impress this new manager that kills players who don't run for him. Uh, His words, not mine. So I think... I think it could be better than Pricey suggested. I'm not, I'm not quite sure where between sort of fourth and sixth, but I think top six will happen. I think fourth is more than possible. We've actually got a very kind fixture list coming up as well in terms of the big sides. And I am saying that with uh, speech marks held in the air. Yeah. In in terms of the yeah. the sides that we that the the other big six uh, as horrible a phrase as that is Liverpool are the only ones that the, we have the Super today. League six the Super <laughs> League six yeah <laughs> Liverpool are the only ones until the midpoint in the season now so. We we have potential to pick up a fair few points in the next nine games as well, and that could get us back on track in time for that transfer window. We'll see. Let's get the manager signed on the dotted line first. Like I said, apparently it is done, but let's hope that this doesn't all go to Spursy in the next few hours. If you're listening to
0: this and, and Conte has just signed for Man United or or Newcastle and we're actually unveiling Gattuso or um, God knows who else then feel free to laugh at us but we're just going on how things look at the moment and obviously there's a heavy caveat with everything we're saying that it's all pointing in the direction of Konze being our next manager and if he is uh, of course and if he has been announced by this point he will probably be in charge by the time we have the game against Vitesse Thursday. Let's talk about our next few games because you mentioned fixtures coming up and we, we've got a few big games not least of all Leeds at home on the 21st of November big big day in the plus day of calendar but so we'll obviously have a special episode there but we've got the test next let's talk quickly about the Europa Conference League do you think at this point it's time to go full on and actually put in a, a full strength team and, and try and get out of this group because I mean if nothing else it'd be embarrassing wouldn't it if we don't get through the group in this I don't really care really it's we're
2: probably losing money by being in the competition it's it's a terrible thing to say but we don't need the fixtures we, we just don't we're, we're advancing the League Cup we're going to have the FA Cup starting up as well second half of the season we don't need to have midweek in europe every single week ahead of unless yeah. i'd be obviously be speaking different if it was the champions league or even if it was the europa league but this is sort of the modern day incarnation of the intertoto basically mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. it's not like it was before when you had a separate cup winners cup and a uefa cup that was wonderful and i hate that they ever got rid of that this is yeah. the wooden spoon competition we got in it for finishing 7th I mean, and and, uh...
3: and also ju- just to jump in, I think there's nothing wrong with playing our B team in a competition like this, where ultimately that's their opportunity to say, "Look, I should be fighting for first team football." In a way, it it's worked because it's actually just proved that the teams and the squads we've been putting out aren't good enough to compete at that level and actually that change needs to happen so I I kind of agree with Elio on that I mean it's frustrating because it's a competition you look at and you're thinking we we should be there you know if not in the final winning this but at the same time, yeah, I, I agree agree with that here.
0: Obviously, if we get to the latter stages of it, I'm sure we'll, we'll start to take it a bit more seriously. If we're in the final, we'll be really happy if, if we do win it. But I, I understand where you're coming from. Well, look, let's go back to the league then. So uh, our next opponents are, not for the first time in recent history, a team that have recently conceded five goals. They're, they're also
3: currently 2-0 down to Wolves after 35 minutes. So uh, hey, Give it
1: give it a couple of days, you could get Rafa.
0: <laughs> my point is we arguably underestimated United, or, or perhaps they you know they got the kick up the arse <laughs> they needed to pull out a very different performance or at least we allowed them to whatever way you look at it we don't want to risk underestimating Everton Dave what do you think of prospects against Everton I mean playing against them had an up and down season what do you make of them at the moment
1: well to quote Neil Warnock that they're, they're a bit like a box of chocolates aren't they um I think it's a it's a strange one you know they've they obviously started quite well then they had the horror show at uh, against, at home against Watford which you know I think was a bit was a bit insane. They seem to be getting comprehensively beaten by a team that you know we Leeds performed very well against a couple of weeks ago and got a point. So they're not in the best shape. They do have excellent players. You know, Richarlison is a player that would improve most teams in the Premier League, and you know a couple of their other players are pretty are pretty strong as well. But I mean, who knows? The potential is is you know it's it's almost an all bets off situation again, which is what I said before the the Man United game because we had no idea. if, Solskjaer was going to be there, and therefore it was a big question mark. And now we've got a, a different question mark for, because of the Spurs manager. So it's a, it's a strange one. I do think all things being equal, your squad is better, and you should get a positive result.
2: Everton's best player this season is a guy who couldn't get into our side ahead of Lamella, who's a guy who could never get into our side as first choice either. And I think that tells you what you need to know about their squad. But without going all Sean Longstaff on them, I never really fear a trip to Everton just because they're a side that we seem to have always done pretty well against. If you look at the Premier League era, I think home and away, we beat them more than any other side that we've played. All right, there's the fact that they're one of the few ever present in the premier league and the ones that are the worst in the premier league era in terms of where they finished positioning and points scoring but even when we were bad we used to we used to turn them over and i miss those days actually recent history it has been more of a struggle with everton where they've been better obviously they've got a very very good manager in Benitez, one that i wouldn't have minded being our manager actually at various points that he was available and we were manager less both of which are quite regular occurrences. And they do have some dangerous players. I mean, Richarlison's obviously a good player. Damari Gray's been a revelation for them for something like three million. There you go. They got a good player for <laughs> not that much money. Uh, and, and they have players like Coleman and Keane and Godfrey who I've always really, really liked and obviously a very good goalkeeper. But I think if we're going to Everton in any circumstances and expecting anything other than... A win. Not saying we'll get the win, but if we're expecting less than a win, then we might as well settle for mid-table for pricey seventh.
3: Especially at the moment, you know they they're hammered by injuries. I mean, it's really interesting. There was a stat just popped up that um, I think their win percentage with Yeri Mina is at about sixty percent. Without it's about twenty five percent. And I'm not to say that Yeri Mina is like the pivotal focal point, but you know it does show they're, they're without Dominic Calvert Lewin. There's there's a number of other kind of key players missing I, I don't think we want to go into that game as elio said expecting anything less than a than a win because they're shipping goals they're shipping ch- i know we're not creating chances but again like looking at our, our ability our squad our players we should be looking at that as a absolutely a game for the taking even if it's three all four all i don't care let's just go and get some goals whilst they're shipping chances
2: i have never ever understood how Yerry mina did not make it at barcelona given some of the centre-backs they have played over the years.
0: Dave, you, you had your mouth hanging open a minute ago. What have you seen? I'm,
1: I'm sorry, you, your timing was perfect because you were just talking about the fragility of their defence and I've just seen Raul Jimenez's goal, that he, that oh. that he scored for Wolves. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's, it, I mean, God, it's God as Godfrey if it, has a nightmare. It's as if they've never played football with each other, basically. <laughs> and it's an incredible through ball from Ben Grobry straight to Raul Jimenez, who <laughs> dinks the keeper. But I 100%, based on what I've just seen, I 100% agree with what Pricey's just said.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it's time for Doctor Tottenham for Everton then this <laughs> week, um, week after, of course. Elio, Pricey, easy three points. Yeah, leads at home. It's a formality. Um, I remember what happened last time. Don't you worry. We'll get on to Leeds, and I can't wait to hear Dave's thoughts if Dave's even brave enough to come onto that episode. He's going to be in two minds about that one. Before we move on, I just want to talk about the Carabao Cup actually, because obviously, you know, it's starting to get serious now. We're in the the last eight. We've got West Ham again. How are we feeling about that? Is this the point where we go full on thinking this is a big chance for us? I mean, a couple of the big boys have dropped out. What are your thoughts on the Carabao Cup this year? Not, not great by the sounds of it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, you want to do, win that you... one, surely. Come on, that's all we've won in 20, 30 years. Look, I
3: think with West Ham at home, it's a big game. We've got a new manager in by then. Again, time to settle. It was go go for it and look. City are out. It's been City's trophy for the last last four or five years. Why not? And usually you look at the Carabao Cup and I think last year we had a relatively straightforward run through to the final. And usually you look at who's left in. I, I think there's only one non Premier League team left in at the moment. Is it Sunderland? I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. So look, I think I just think a City out yeah, is not as straightforward. And again, look, we're, we're, if we again going back to the manager thing, if we're going to bring in a manager of, of Conte's stature, whether it's conte or not, they're going to want to win trophies. And and that's a trophy that we should be going to win, regardless of who's in it, regardless of what's come before. That, and that's what was lacking from, I think, everything this season, is just we've lacked that winning mentality. So if there's one thing we get out of it, it's just I hope that it's that, I guess, kind of desire and want to get back out there and play for the shirt, play for the badge and, and just try and, I've got to say, try and win some trophies. Because, again, it's been a long time since we've actually done that
0: he'll be looking at the fact that we're still in that cup and that we're in the quarterfinals and thinking this is that's some low hanging fruit you know relatively speaking that's a chance to come in and make myself a hero within a matter of months I mean it's easier said than done but he'll be looking at the teams there thinking this is a good chance for me to make a big statement early on
3: And, and you've also got to look at the fixture schedule and the way it kind of falls over the festive period or certainly over the winter months whereby it's guaranteed a lot of the clubs will be playing non-full-strength teams until they get to the semi-final and the final. They will use rotation, they will use their squad so again that that is a, a big opportunity for the depth of the squad we have at Spurs so, so certain players to go improve themselves and for us to capitalise on that opportunity.
0: And we could run into Arsenal between now and the final as well. They're still in there. That could be a huge one. could be one of those games that we talk about over the ages. Well a lot to discuss and a lot to come up in the next few weeks competing on multiple fronts we're trying to get into the top four we're trying to win a couple of competitions even if not everyone's that excited about them but a lot to talk about in the next coming few weeks as well so looking forward to that any final thoughts on current situation uh, before we move on I mean I know we're all itching to play challenge Elio but do we have anything to add at the moment for uh in I, mean, terms of I think managerial... I think I'm just I'm a little sad
2: listen I'm not sad for Nuno in the sense that like Dave alluded to earlier, he he has made a lot of money for not a lot of work. But I think he was almost brought in as a lame duck manager. I think he was always brought in as the, well, if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, then he's the fall guy. And it buys us time to maybe put feelers out for someone we really want Kind kind of situation. I'm not saying that this was by design. It wasn't, but... I'm sad we got here because I don't think any Spurs fan really had Nuno high up on their list or wanted Nuno as manager. But when he was appointed, I do think the majority, myself included, thought, all right, let's see the positives. Let's give him a chance. Let's see what he can do. And for it to go so kind of stale so quickly and so so wrong... Um it's not nice. I I said in the group chat the other day. I left the match early the other. day I left out, uh, the moment Rashford's skull hit the back of the net. That's the second time I've done that this season. But maybe the third time I've done that in my Spurs supporting life. I don't leave games early. Uh, I I believe in staying till the very end through thick and thin. But you know the round trip I do to get Spurs. I I didn't feel like they deserved me to stay till the ninety third minute or whatever it was. And and. I'm sad that, again, as a fan base, we've emotionally invested and we've accepted and we've adapted to the Kool-Aid that the club have given us. And again, it's blown up in our, our faces and... And you know that I've defended Enoch more than anyone over the years, but I, I can't anymore. And even if they go and get Conte, great, well done. You've done the obvious thing and got the best manager available to manage the club and throw money at it. Mm-hmm. should have done that in the summer. You should have had the ambition in, in the summer. I, I'm now very much with the collective of Spurs fans that don't have faith in our board anymore. And... Especially when you consider that we're one of the few clubs in this league that are both owned by British owners, but also owned by actual Spurs people. It hurts me to say that because I've really invested in everything they've ever fed us. And this is unfortunately the culmination of their lack of direction and their inadequacy for the past four or five years. And nothing's irredeemable and if this has been a 20-year belated eureka moment for them and they now realise that the way to compete is to actually back a manager and they back someone as good as Conte, then I'll be pleased. But it's going to take a while and I think some actual success for me to be back on board with our boards.
3: Quite simply, they didn't make hay when the sun was shining and now they're trying to farm crops in the torrential deluge uh,
0: of shit that is uh, our current season. I <laughs> was almost very eloquent nearly a foul foul turn i will say though, literally yeah, I, think, I think pricey's outdoing you on the flowery metaphors today i think he's uh, he's on top form
2: well, we have serious things to discuss.
3: <laughs> I was just going to say the one the one thing I guess kind of I'd, I'd like to just throw in because actually I'm amazed that we've mentioned Sean Longstaff twice and we haven't mentioned Harry Kane once
2: uh, so far. <laughs> I mean, I do... what is there to mention? He he's <laughs> he's just continuing in the same pathetic vein, and uh, I've lost a lot of respect for the guy. And
3: but I do um... think. I do think Conte, if we get Conte, solves a big problem with that. And we spoke about that earlier, and particularly if we're looking at a kind of 3 5 2. Actually, the big problem with our creativity at the moment, when you talked about passes into the final third and then passes on, it's because I guarantee you that most of the time, Ndombele, Son, Mora look up, they go, Where's Kane? And it's because he's somewhere out. He's like in the corner flag, like on our corner flag. Uh, at least now you've got someone else so that if Kane's gone walkabout somewhere um, probably helping Ben Davies uh, with his his location on the pitch when he lost Ronaldo but yeah it it gives us options up top so we want to throw that in there actually I think a manager like Conte should help Kane through his formation strategy but also as a people manager and just look when you've got people who are down just getting them back to where they, they should be in their best
2: Conte has always done well with big number nines. So I, I have every faith that he can get Kane scoring goals and scoring a lot of goals. I don't think we'll ever see the Kane that we're used to again,
0: personally. If nothing else, I imagine Conte will shout at Kane when he's not pulling it in. <laughs> and he won't be afraid to drop him. He won't be afraid he, to yeah. tell him what he thinks of him, which is maybe what he needs. You know, Maybe, maybe Nuno was too nice specifically for Harry Kane because Mourinho wasn't nice. He got the best out of Kane. Or at least, you know, he got something out of Kane, so who knows time will tell as we always say so interesting interesting to see uh, if you have any comments anyone listening if if you have any specific thoughts on what Antonio Conte could bring to Spurs how you expect us to line up again all with the strong condition that we are assuming he's our next manager. Please let us know if you have anything that you'd like to comment on, any, any questions for us, any general thoughts on Spurs, on our next fixtures, anything we've discussed today or anything that you'd like us to discuss next week, please get in touch with us. Our social media accounts, as always, are at Plus Day Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us as well at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you're really invested and you want to go full-on on on all of our side extracurricular activities, you can even join our FPL League, if you dare. If you dare pit your wits against Pricey and his barnstorming three-figure team that has shot to the top of our league. The code is JB3PSV if you'd like to join our public FPL League and try and knock Pricey off the top. I'm very bitter about FPL this week. I almost didn't mention it because I scored 95 points, yet somehow Pricey still overtook me. I see. feeling pretty smug at the moment, aren't you? I'm I'm into the top seventy five K
3: now, which is uh a, a result. I'm happy with that green arrow in the right direction. And uh, no, I'm very, very happy with that. I, Although frustratingly this week, and actually looks like I'll have another good week again this week compared to a, a relatively poor average across the board, uh, despite transferring out Ronaldo, uh, who obviously went and, and got a double digit haul. And then with that, I moved in Cancelo, who obviously decided not to turn up along with the rest of the city team. And Livramento is still sitting on my bench. So I'm, I'm 18 points worse off than I, I would have been had i just left things alone
0: but i um, don't feel remotely sorry for you in fact i think you've been extremely jammy this week but the less about that <laughs> the best are D- dave elio antonio conte could not save my fpl season
3: <laughs> it's because you don't have salah elio like literally like, you're the only person that doesn't have salah
2: i refuse <laughs> I, I don't want to go to the crowd
0: <laughs> you're a brave man do you still have pogba in your scene?
2: i i forgot about fpl two weeks <laughs> running and got what i
0: deserved Oh, well. A long way to go. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right, Dave? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I
1: um, It's my fault, basically, because I've had Ronaldo in the team trying to make sure that he was not going to perform very well. And I finally caved and I took him out and put, put Salah in the team. And I also put Kane in the team. So obviously Kane was useless and obviously Ronaldo scored. So yeah, it's my fault. So apologies. You know something's wrong when Ronaldo's getting an assist. <laughs>
0: yeah it's all on me I apologise apologise profusely I'm not sure you're forgiven but we'll we'll see see how things are looking next week moving on then so uh, as I mentioned earlier it is now time for everyone's favourite part of the show and that is of course Challenge Elio if you're new Challenge Elio is a part of the show where we put some trivia questions to Elio and put him up against the rest of the team we normally focus on Spurs questions sometimes they're more general football questions but if Elio doesn't know the answer comes back out to the floor we we'll take it in turns and see if Elio can beat the rest of the team. And we tally up the points and see how he's done. He's done very well. We're not going to talk about how much he's leading by because it's just quite depressing. It's a bit like him looking at the rest of us in FPL. But we've got a couple of questions this week. And my first question, Elio, is it's actually related loosely to Antonio Conte. I, I tried to shoehorn him into Challenge Elio somehow. And I want to take you back to the 16-17 season, which was obviously um, a very good season for Spurs. We finished second, behind Antonio Conte's Chelsea, of course. And my question is, can you tell me the result and the Tottenham scorers from the three occasions that we played Chelsea that season? I And I think before you go on, I think we should have a rule where if you make a mistake, it does bounce over to the other two.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to get this all consecutive. I definitely won't get the scorers all... um... I know that they beat us 4-2 in the FA Cup semi-final. I had a very lovely straight-on view of Matic's screamer uh, up at the other end of the stadium. Um, I know that we lost to them early on in the season at home. Um, No, no. I've
0: got that wrong, haven't I? I mean, what you just said is wrong. I'm not sure if that was an official guess. You know what? Um, yeah, I'm going to call that a wrong answer just to give the other guys a chance. Pricey, Dave, any ideas on any I've of the, scores? the, the league course. scores? So we have, we've we've done the, the FA Cup score, which was 4-2 mm-hmm. to Chelsea. Am I allowed to at least
2: try and name the scorers of that FA Cup game? I'll tell you what, I'll give you I that. I got that right. I'll give you that. So I know ours were Kane and Deli. I know yes. there two that won the game for them after we brought it back to two-all were Eden Hazard and Nemanja Matic. Mm-hmm. I know th- William got a penalty.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: I'm trying to think if it was him or someone else. If it was Diego Costa that got the first, they scored quite early on because it was right in front of me the, that goal. Um, well, yeah, I'm going to go with William for both their first two goals as well.
0: Well, what I'll say, Elio, is that I didn't ask you to name the Chelsea scorers. You're just showing off now. I only wanted the top scorers, <laughs> oh, but you've okay. named them correctly anyway. So very well done. As ever, you're just showing off and making a mockery of challenge, Elio. Well, I uh, got the now, other one wrong. So you did get one wrong. So we're going to pass it back over to, to, to the Daves uh, and see if, if they can hazard a guess at what either of the scores were from the home or the away league game against Chelsea that season when we came second.
3: I think we beat them at Stamford Bridge Deep. that season. Um, because it 1617 was the year year before Wembley. It
0: was yeah, our it was last team, year last, the last year, the lane. Yeah,
3: which we actually had a good record against the big six clubs that year.
0: Um, we had a good record against everyone. Bri- Bri- Bridge, Bridge was Ericsson wasn't it? It was. And I'm yeah, going to go three.
3: Was it three nil, three one? I need to commit it was, to one, was don't I? It Was,
0: was it nil? Okay. That's was what was the score in that game? Ericsson scored oh, first. Um, we, we lost that seven.
2: game. We lost 2-1 away to them. Oh, I remember that. And I oh. also remember the home game as well. I was getting my 16-17 and my 17-18s mixed up. It was 17-18 where we lost at home at Wembley to them. 16-17, we beat them 2-0 in one of... Delhi's best match is for us, it and was. I believe he scored two goals from Christian Eriksen crosses, almost yeah, identical right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. That is absolutely correct nice. and very well done. And in fact, I think that season we actually were unbeaten at home all season. If I'm yeah, not mistaken. we lost two, two games all season,
2: and they were both away. And I think it was Liverpool yeah. and Everton,
0: something like that. Very good season, anyway. It's a far cry from the situation oh, we find ourselves Chelsea, in obviously. now, but uh, but no, nevertheless, uh, we move on. So for the next question in challenge, Elio. There's a little bit of a change up. I've got a little bit of a surprise for you, a special treat, because I'm going to hand the reins over to our very own Dave, who's got a question for you Elio, this week. Oh, this He's going to fine. take things over for the next question. Dave, what is your question
1: for Challenge Elio? So I've been doing some research. No, oh, I have you been have. doing some research. Um, well, I mean, basically, I've, 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 uh, I've, got myself, I've got myself a book. <laughs>
0: Dave, tell, tell our listeners the name of your book.
1: It's, so you call yourself a Le- so you call Leeds fan? So you call yourself <laughs> a Spurs fan. Uh, it's a racing post book, um, which is literally just off the half of the press. And, uh, and it's got tons and tons of, uh, uh, of insanely difficult trivia questions. And I am going to share this. With DAGs, so that he's got great. some, he's got some ammunition Excellent. going forward. Um, but actually, commitment. I didn't. I, I do have a question, but it's not from the book because mm-hmm. I wanted to do something that was more um, relevant to what we've been talking about, which is obviously okay. managers and uh, and well, specifically
0: successful managers. So, Dave, that, that's that, probably for the best because I imagine Elio is downloading the ebook. <laughs> be it's been out a week. It's been out a week. He's probably already read it. <laughs> yeah. um, You've uh, me.
1: So, so yeah, my my question, which is. Well, it has levels, um, but I want you to name from the 1950s onwards. Uh, now, this is obviously Elio versus Pricey and Dags now, um, yep. but name the top five managers by win percentage in order from one to five and a bonus point if you get the right percentage and a double bonus point if you get the right decimal point percentage.
0: Do we go back and forth then? Does Elio get the first go and then we, we have to name one? I
2: think that's fair, yeah.
0: So Elio goes first? That yeah. doesn't
2: sound fun. Top five managers by five by, win percentage. Percentage. by
1: win percentage, which obviously, as we all know, defines a great manager.
2: Are we including yeah, caretakers but... in this or not?
1: Caretakers it... are included.
0: Really? So, so even if they have played a few games? Yes. Okay. I think I'm well answered. managed a few games. If we get, is it just back and forth, or is it until you get one wrong? You're in charge, um, now, Dave. I
1: think Elliot should take a stab, and as soon as he as soon as he slips up, which we all hope he will. You guys get get to uh, get to dive in.
0: That does leave us with the distinct possibility that he'll get them all right, and then we won't even get a go. Well, that's that's he's the world it. we
1: live in. Thanks.
2: <laughs> we're all in Elio's world.
0: Top five, Elio. So yeah.
2: I actually think, because I think he won all but two of his games last season. So if we're including caretakers, I'm going with Ryan Mason as number one.
0: Correct. He, correct as number one, or correct? He's in yep. the list. Wow. Do you want to
1: hazard a, a guess at percentage?
2: Is it? Will I lose the question to the guys if no, I no, get no. wrong? You,
1: you, no, you've you got, you got the point for the person in the right order. All right, so... This is a bonus. 60%? It's close, it's close. But, but no, the correct answer is 57.14%. 57.14%. Which is your most successful manager. By one percentage.
0: Bring him back.
2: And we're we're only going from 1950 onwards. So from the 50s onwards, yeah, there's a a couple of massive anomalies in there. Mm -hmm. So from our first league title in that case. Yeah.
0: There are definitely some managers that I couldn't even name, let alone put them in, in that list. So this is going to be tricky.
2: Number two, aided undoubtedly by his very small sample size. Are we going just league or are we going all competitions? Um, I believe it's all competitions.
0: Don't get your facts wrong, Dave. Elio hates that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Number two, I'm going to go with AVB. Correct.
0: That was going to be my guess.
2: Yeah. And based on the fact that I know the person next under him had close to 55, but not quite, I'm going to go with him having 55, 56%. Which one? <laughs> I'm going to go with if 55. You're on, you're I'm going to play points. it cautious and go with 55.
1: Correct. Bonus point 55.0. Bang on 55%. Third on
2: the mm-hmm. list. I'm going to go this, with. This is, great. this is just Elio flexing his muscles now. I'm going to go with Mopo. Like uh, there's nowhere else to go but Potch for number three on the list. Correct. <laughs> You forget people like Bill Nicholson were here for and um, and and Arthur Owens and whatever. They were here for such a long time that their win percentages would have been affected by their longevity. And that yeah, just right. makes what Pochettino did all the more remarkable because he was here for a good whack of time. Yeah, and uh, given that, that, I went with 55 definitely. for AVB. I'm going to go with 54 for Pochettino. 54 for Poch. 54.27. Okay, rounding
0: down. I wouldn't give him the points for that. (laughs) So to be to at least one decimal place.
1: (laughs) No, I said one bonus point for the for the for the correct percentage decimal is a double bonus.
2: Number four, once again aided by only being at the club for about eighteen months in total, and his first three quarters of the season actually having a pretty good win percentage, is another recent one. Jose Mourinho. Correct, your fourth best manager.
0: This is disgusting. This this might be this is the great. Most this is great outrageous. Stuff. I'm enjoying my channel forever.
2: And I'm gonna go with fifty-one for him. Fifty one? Correct. My last one <laughs> I'm loving Price's reactions to this. <laughs> my last one, I'm torn between three and two of them are caretakers. No, Harry Redknapp didn't quite get 50, whereas these two caretakers, I'm pretty sure, will have got 50. And it's a case of which one is it? My last one's going to be between David Pleat and Tim Sherwood. But which one? One of those. I'm going, go, I'm going to go be. with Tactics Tim because he loved to crow about his great win percentage. So I'm going to go for Tactics Tim with, I, think that's with, wrong. I don't know, 50, 50 and a half, something like that. I, I, I know that they were both above people like Nicholson and Rowe and Redknapp, who were much better managers. but I mean, you've I'm, successfully I'm in... named
1: 10, 11, 12 there. Rowe was 12. Uh, sorry, sorry not, not, not 10, 11, 12. 6, 7, 8. Um, Rowe, Nicholson and Redknapp are at 8 7th and 6th there. Okay. Um, you said the right names. You said the right percentages, but you got on the wrong way around. It Sherwood, is, Sherwood is 6th in 50%. And
2: uh, Plink
0: is fifth with fifty point five.
2: I went for Showed because he had he had fewer games
0: in charge, so I thought that would benefit him. So essentially, Elio just named pretty much the top five managers, and then another three. Just El- Elio
1: just named the top eight managers. Just, for, just when you, for, you only asked
0: him to name five, just for fun. Sorry, that's it. Next week, I'm I'm going in extra hard. This is it. I, I'm I'm going to find <laughs> the most devilish questions. In fact, Dave, we need to study that book and just. Don't worry. Most...
1: This 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 is this is all killer. Oh,
0: brilliant. Okay. Right, that's it. But um, well, I, was it, done, I was so was excited excellent. about having a go at challenging Elio myself. We I didn't even get a chance. This <laughs> <laughs> is like I'm playing only, Man City and you don't get the ball for the whole game. You don't even. I'm have not, a not looking
2: target. forward to the book in the slightest. I'm going to get everything wrong in that and be shown up as a
1: big old fraud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think this this and and the reason that I put this on there is that you know. It's That's interesting, isn't, names, isn't it? Looking it? at some of the managers that you've had, and looking at some of the what what is classified as success and what isn't classified. I bet Nuno's as success. quite
2: high. I bet Nuno's top fifteen, top twenty managers.
1: Nuno's Nuno's over, overall, he's fourteenth, but I think post yeah. post fifties, I think he's around about tenth, eleventh. I mean, I mean,
0: win percentage in the league alone, he's won half our matches. <laughs> yeah, three games into the season, he was probably top. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's a bit silly, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, talking about play- managers who have been in charge for about six games, I mean, you can't really take too much
2: away Where's Keith Birkinshaw but... on that list? Because obviously we went, uh, uh, we went down Some with Keith Birkinshaw, but, but we also came back up with Keith Birkinshaw and, yeah, had a great period with him.
0: He's not on my list. Okay. At should lose all his points for that. That's our second most <laughs> successful ever manager. <laughs> Oh, well. Well, that experiment didn't go quite how I was hoping personally, but nonetheless, well done again, Elio. Very impressive. And, and you continue to show everybody that there's something deeply disturbingly wrong with your mind. Uh, mm. <laughs> I'm very impressed. And Dave, uh, maybe maybe you should try and throw some more out. Next I'm going to try double so hard next time. It. Don't worry. Well, I it's mean, look, you've got to ease him in, right? I mean... You underestimated Elio. Hey, yo. this, is, this is the thing. You can't do it. You, you've got to bring out the big guns. But, but also, don't make it too hard because we have to guess them if he doesn't know them. So, you know, try and find a balance. Yeah. You need to get um, the stats wrong like Daggers does. Exactly, yeah. do That's the only way you make, make sure he doesn't get them right. Well, yeah. look, you'll be delighted to hear that we do have one more question. I've got one more just to round things off. And if you haven't guessed already, it is, of course, the Who Am I game, which I know everybody loves. So, the Who Am I game, as the name suggests, is a game where I am describing... A player who has played for Spurs and team have to try and guess who he is based on some clues that I give. Corresponding clues are from one to six and they will take him turns to give me a number. I'll give him the clue and we take him turns to try and guess who the player is. So there's absolutely no way I'm letting Elio go first this time. So Pricey, Dave, give me a number from one to six. Number two, please. Number two. I scored four goals in seven seasons for Tottenham. As always, if someone gets it now, you ruin the game. But you're welcome to throw out a guess if you want to try it. Oh, God. Do you want to pass it over to Elio? Michael Dawson. No. Good guess, though. Good guess. Elio, what number would you like? That was two, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Let's go with one. One. I have played under the same manager at two English clubs. Same manager
2: at two English clubs. Narrow it down. A little bit. I'm writing all these clues down as we go along. By the way, mm-hmm. because I Which haven't been. You doing. All be? So I played with two, one manager at two English clubs.
0: Yep. Yeah. Any? I'm going to go with Will and Corsten. No. <laughs> Again, good guess. Dave, Pricey, give me a number. We've had one and two. Uh, let's have four. Four. I have won the Intertoto Cup the second time it mentioned the Inter-Toto Cup today. Very vague clues, but... Rule yeah. Fox. <laughs> Rule Fox won the inter Cup? Did he? I don't know. No, I don't What's know. I could not tell you. No. It's not Rule are going to Google that now.
3: Has Rule Fox.
0: <laughs> Rule Fox <laughs> honours. You'll just get to Has Rule
2: Fox one, and it will say no. <laughs> By
0: anyway.
2: the way, when you say one manager at two English clubs, were those this players only two English clubs? Uh
0: Not necessarily. Okay. So yeah, anyway, we had we've had one, two, and four. Six. <laughs> Six. Okay, this, this one could you could get off the back of this, given the clues we've had so far. I have played with Joey Barton, Neil Mope, and Samuel Eto. Joey. Nice mix of players there.
2: Joey Barton, Neil Mopay. I'm guessing he played with Eto at Mallorca. No, no, it would have been Eto at the end
0: because Mope is quite young. Joey um, Barton. Ha huh. I must rush you. Can't take too long. Anyway, uh, any ideas? Two English Unc.
2: clubs. Joey Barton, Neil Mope, and Samuel Eto.
0: One manager, two English clubs. Obviously, I can't tell you which teams. I don't want to give too much away. But you can probably have a good guess. And just must Townsend. move you on now. Andrew Townsend? No, it's not Andrew Townsend. Guys, which one are you going to go for? Five. Five? (laughs) Okay, this could be interesting. In 2018, I had an argument on Twitter with Kylian Mbappe. At this point where I open up his Wikipedia to start preparing backup clues. (laughs) But we made it all the way to number six last week before Elio got it. I had an argument with Kylian Mbappe on Twitter in 2018. Four goals in
3: seven seasons. Hmm.
0: What's that telling you? Oh, what about? I believe that's in all competitions, by the way, but I'm, I'm not sure. Not that it makes much difference. <laughs> Dave, what are you thinking? Do you have the foggiest idea? Yeah? Have you got
2: seven seasons for Spurs? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Malpe, Malpe. That's,
1: right. Malpe. <laughs> that's Malpe? the that's the one.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um. Oh, no idea. Okay, the final clue. Let's see if you can get this one. I played at a World Cup where I was sent home for headbutting my teammate. What was the clue before? The clue before was I had an argument. This this sounds like a nutter, doesn't it? I had an argument with Kylian Mbappe on Twitter in 2018. Or a spat, a public disagreement. First name, the only
2: player player I can think of that we've had that is that crazy, but I'm sure... (laughs) it won't have been him, is Aurier. But he wasn't yeah, with us seven seasons, so... That,
0: that's not a terrible...
2: Benoit Asocotto.
0: It is Benoit Asocotto. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> he's done it again. Benoit who, yeah, who's probably nearly as crazy as Serge Aurier in his own way. Yep, yeah, <laughs> indeed. So he played with Joe Barson at QPR. After having left us, he played with Neil Mope at St Etienne. Managed by Harry time. Redknapp at both at QPR and Spurs. It, of course, indeed. And, of course, at international level. So that was a bit of a red herring. because Cameroon. Of, I was thinking, thinking Chelsea. Clubs. Yeah, exactly. So um, he scored four goals, four goals in, in what was it, I said, seven whole seasons at Spurs. So one of them was a bit of a wonder goal, if I remember. Yeah, well. but I the show, they were all bangers. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't
2: 2009, it? 2009-2010, he absolutely smacked it in against Liverpool to beat them... Um, I think that yeah. was maybe his first goal for the club as well. And that was our... You kind of knew that was going to be a good season straight off the back of that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I genuinely think we could do an entire feature just talking about Benoitsog <laughs> over because he's an absolute maniac and a brilliant character. And I would say a particularly underrated footballer. Elio, anyway, I know you, this is an opinion you agree with. Mm. But well, uh, we'll have to save that for another episode because we are we're running quite long in this one. But obviously, that was yet another... Very impressive performance in Challenge Elio for our reigning champion and runaway leader, Elio himself. And of course, next week, we'll have a few more questions for him. If you'd like to submit some questions yourself, if you think you can show Elio up and come up with something that he won't be able to reel off like it was something he did yesterday, please let us know. Please get in touch on social media at Plus Dave Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Email us. At, at gmail.com. Give us your best Spurs trivia questions. It doesn't have to be Spurs trivia questions. You can give us general football trivia questions. They can even be about Leeds. If you're a Leeds fan listening, we'd love to have some of those. Let's uh, not Dave, go there. No. <laughs> Dave, you try and have some ready for next week as well. And hopefully we can we can try and trip them up. We'll um, him. As I said before, of course, if you have any general comments, if you have anything to contribute to us, then you know, let us know. If there's any points you'd like us to read out, any questions you have for us, for any of us individually or as a group, please let us know and get in touch. And thank you again to everyone who's been listening to us all around the world. Always amazes me to see the global reach that we somehow have managed to to accumulate. We've had a listener from Taiwan this week, which is a, a new one for the list. So that's always lovely to see. We, we really have covered the globe, even if it is the odd one or two listeners from everywhere. So especially if you're somebody from one of our from From an overseas location, we'd love to hear your story if you're a Spurs fan, how that happened, why you're a Spurs fan and and what your story is. So please do feel free to get in touch with us before I wrap things up. guys, any final thoughts from today before we uh, before we close things off are we Are we feeling pretty good about Spurs at the moment? Is this an exciting time
2: um, hey, it's always exciting, but I'd like it to be exciting on the pitch again. <laughs>
0: I'm sure it will be, but we'll see. And uh, of course, next week, we'll be talking about a couple of games and we'll be looking ahead to the Leeds game as well. So very important episode next week. Please tune in then. And if you're lucky, Dave might even join us if he, if he decides he's brave enough and we'll be talking about that then as well. So thank you all once again for listening this week. We hope you join us again next week. We hope that Antonio Conte actually is our manager and we don't all look like idiots right now. Thanks for listening. You stay classy Spurs fans and we'll see you again next week we